0: You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta and the community of The Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com/legendscast. Let's do this.
1: Hello and welcome to Legends Cast. My name is DeadbrokeNerd. Well, that's not really my name. That's actually my moniker, you know, screen name whatever. Uh, and I am joined here by my uh, ever faithful, long suffering—I forget my adjectives because I haven't used it in a while—co-host uh, <laughs> Mark, A.K.A. the Lift, uh, and I'm of course also joined uh, with Gibbles and Bits, catastrophically creative and whatever. Uh, guys, it's been a—it's been a break. It's been a break. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, holidays, good cheer, good drinks, good food, all good th- times. All
2: things considered. Happy New Year to both of you! Happy New Year to all of our listeners. 2022, we made it, whether we thought we were going to or not. We're here. We're yep. happy. We're healthy. We're still friends. We're still on this podcast. It's a good time.
1: Yeah, this is when I announced that Gibby and I are no longer friends. We're having a, a friend divorce. <laughs> it's over. We're going through tough times, but for the but for the community, we're going to put on a good face for everybody. For know? the kids yeah that's right well you know we didn't- figured we are technically
0: a legends of runeterra podcast uh although maybe a little less each month uh it seems uh and uh the lor team was off for a couple of weeks on winter break and so we figured you know the show could be on a break for a little bit and we were all three enjoying a lot of time uh with family and uh a lot of time you know, for the holidays, uh, hanging out with with folks, and um, I think DBN even did a little bit of traveling. I don't, I don't, I don't think mm-hmm, that Gibby did because mm-hmm. I think you actually moved closer to family rather than further from. But
2: if you count forty five minutes traveling, then yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, but, I, did, yeah. I did. I, did the same <laughs> I do not.
0: Um, <laughs> you know, we had. Uh, I, I I'm kind of curious to know a couple of things. Like, what was the best thing you got for Christmas? What was the best thing? you ate over the holiday, and if, if you had a really good memory over Christmas break, and I, I I have mentally prepared myself for this a little bit and have you guys on the spot, so I'll answer first. The, the best thing that I received for Christmas I think, has to be my Eligu, uh wash and cure system for resin printing because it has made my resin prints <laughs> awesome. Nice. And I was really bad at it before and kept breaking all of my minis that I was printing. And I I got my printer really zeroed in uh, over the holiday and got this rinse and cure set up. And I, I really fell in love with resin printing so much so that I bought a second resin printer. Uh, and it's it's on its way so I can have two running all the time to print
2: double the production double production
0: yeah my wife is not happy <laughs> and i have a really really jank ventilation system of like a old furnace fan duct tape to a piece of PVC pipe going out the wall, but it works. So oh my, God. my family is well, you can, dying from resin fumes. So you
2: can print all the things you want while you're sleeping on the couch. Yeah.
0: Well, my wife says it's a fire hazard, so we're not allowed to be asleep and it runs. But so I have to sit like midnight to get my prints finished all the time. Uh, but then my favorite thing I ate was for uh new or Christmas Eve. My brother made uh sirloin steaks with shrimp scampi, fried shrimp, lobster claws. Then we had twice-baked loaded potatoes, roasted vegetables. Holy crap. And cheddar biscuits made with smoked cheddar, like the ones that you get at Red Lobster, but it was made with smoked cheddar that my brother bought instead of normal cheddar. Mm, mm, And mm. there's nothing I can say. Like, eating three animals is one of the best experiences that I have. (laughs) Um, So uh, it was really great. It was so good. Surf and turf. On Christmas Eve, and the best moment on the break, uh, honestly, was, like, after all of the festivities were done, my daughter got, like, three or four Lego sets for Christmas, and on Monday, uh, after Christmas, we sat down and built the Arendelle Castle from Frozen 2 and Vet Rescue, and they're really girly, but it was so much fun. Um, to sit and, and realistically I built them and she played with the figures while I built it for her. But it was super fun to have that memory in that moment of, of building Legos with my kids because it's it honestly almost made me buy Star Wars Legos myself because uh, building Legos oh, yeah. is amazing uh, and it is so the fun. joy in Christmas. Uh, It's like Jesus Legos, then family. uh, uh, Hopefully, the gap between
2: (laughs) one and two was a little bigger than you're making it out.
0: Yeah, it was a little bit bigger, but there's a pretty big gap between two and three as well. Legos to family, (laughs) so uh, you know. But okay, anybody, what? Either you guys, what was it? I I know I'm putting you on the spot, but like favorite thing you ate, favorite thing you got, favorite memory.
2: Favorite thing I got, man, is gotta be it's pretty easy and it, it facilitated what we're talking about later on. Is my wife not so secretly because I practically requested it <laughs> way ahead of months. I think I'm pretty sure I've said it on the podcast. I was like, there might be a switch coming, I might be getting a switch, and, and lo and behold, she actually showed me the box. And then it was like, act surprised when all the family is around and you open it up again. Just act like you don't know. And I'm like, okay, I can play along. You got me a Switch. I'll do whatever you want me to. <laughs> so, um, so yes, I have a Nintendo Switch now. I say we have a Nintendo Switch. And I thankfully can say we because Mackenzie has been using it just as much as I have. We we actually focused, and I, I really wanted to take this focus. I, I focused on getting her games first while we have it. Smart and It's man. new that that she wants to play, some that we can play together, but ones that she is very interested in playing so that way she gets into it and when we and we kind of make it like a this is a good thing to have in the house. Um, so she's been playing a lot of Animal Crossing, which she's always wanted to play, but she's never played before, even some of the older versions. Um, she's been playing Paper Mario uh, or the origami King, which is a new Paper Mario version. very good if you if you haven't heard of it or seen it. And you have a switch and you're looking for a cool adventure game, get that, it's very cool. Um, and I've gotten a couple games for it for myself, so and my list is growing. So, I'm a huge Mario Party fan, I love I had all one, two, and three from an N64, yeah. four, five, six, and seven from GameCube, and then eight and nine from Wii. And then I didn't, I had a Wii U, and then I didn't buy the Switch initially, so I didn't get 10, I don't think. And they've come out with a new one, and then they've also uh, come out with one called Mario Party Superstars, which is all of the classics together that mashed up of all the best mini games and best maps. So I got that one recently. I haven't gotten to play it yet, but I'm excited about that. Um, best food that I ate. This is going to be very simple, but um, there was two things that kind of stick out. I had possibly the best buffalo dip I've ever had in my oh, life. Oh, okay. okay. Made it... I am a huge buffalo fan. Just the flavor, and you get like really good like club crackers or kind of homemade like pita like bread. That's gonna elevate the dish by far. But it was this big crock pot of like b- of buffalo. It almost was kind of like the gooey cheesy consistency of like a buffalo mac and cheese, but it was Ooh. very much like it was like cheesy buffalo dip, and it was so good. Um, I am a ranch fan, not a blue cheese fan. So get that blue cheese crumble crap out of my house. Uh, it was, it was, but it was very good. And then Mackenzie and I actually made the second part that I was excited about. They were these little gnomes and I can drop the recipe for anybody who's interested, but it was, you basically just take sugar cookie dough and you bake them in a mini muffin pin or mini muffin pan. And you kind of tamp down a circle into it. And then you turn, you cut out the, the the leaves of a strawberry, you turn it upside down Put some icing around his face and draw it kind of down the side of the little muffin uh, tin of sugar cookie dough, and then you put a you put like a little skittle in it for the nose, and you make little you make little gnomes, and they were so good, so good, and they were so cute too. Like I, everybody in my family, like it was like I don't care how good they are, they want to eat them because they looked cool. Um, so we were just proud that we made them. We've now got probably our our go-to Christmas dessert. We've got one for Thanksgiving. These cranberry brie bites. So we're we're slowly building a cookbook, which I think is a mainstay for most mar- newly married couples. Yeah,
0: yeah, you definitely have and, to develop a, a bit of a a bit of a, a things that y'all can cook because of the, you know otherwise.
2: Yes. Yeah. And the, the, the moment for me probably not my proudest moment, but one that was memorable nonetheless, cause memorable doesn't always have to be good. Right. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, um, so I had all of the things that I was so graciously gifted. Um, and I was at my parents' house and I went to go pick up this stack of things and there was a bottle of like really nice, like eucalyptus and like mint or eucalyptus and lavender or something like that, like hand or like face lotion or something like that, that I was gifted that was sitting on top of it. It's in this kind of like heavy ceramic bottle. And it fell off of the stack right onto the middle big ceramic tile that is one of the dozen ceramic tiles on my parents' coffee table and just snapped the stone into like three or four pieces. Oh no. And this is oh like God. this is like post not more than five seconds after everyone is like happy and elated and, and joyous and Jubilee of, of opening presents. And I dropped oh no. this bottle and snapped this stone into like four big pieces. And the room just stopped. Uh, it was silent. And everyone like the whole momentum of the entire morning changed. And I'm just like, I'm looking around, I'm like, I'm just like, I did. there's nothing I can do but just apologize. And my mom, my mom was very kind about it. And she's like, you know, it's so easy. She's like, I'm just going to take the tile next to it and go to Lowe's and tell them cut it this size. And then they're going to cut it. It'll, it won't cost a lot and it'll be easy to replace. And I was like, very grateful that she didn't make a big deal out of it. Cause I would have felt bad. Yeah. Even, even worse <laughs> if, than I already and did. And then they
0: asked you to leave and not come back. Yeah. yeah. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, uh, classic. get out. Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: the <laughs> classic. The classic. Get out. You broke my one tile. Give me all of the gifts back. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> yeah. Well, DBN.
0: No, but that's it. Was good. DBN. How about you?
1: Um, let's see. I would say, um, well, uh, favorite food. I ate so good. Um, I mean, my family is full of really good cooks, and I actually even did a little cooking myself. I made, um biscotti Ooh. um which was a uh chocolate chip pecan biscotti okay um and and uh, it turned out pretty darn good um but uh I, I would say i think that uh my my mom uh made this and i don't even know why she made it it was just like a couple of days before christmas she decided to bake a cake my mom makes really good cakes and she made this cake uh which was a like a double chocolate cake with a a buttermilk glaze and uh um hazelnut keep saying uh, words, yeah hazelnuts uh crust like crusted into the glaze um and man when that came out of the oven uh and finally cooled i mean I, i ate like two and a half slices it was bad. I should I should not have <laughs> eaten that much. And it. then I I'm pretty sure I was like the driving force between uh f- for finishing the cake over the next couple of days. I, <laughs> um, so it, it, that was incredible. Um, my sister also made some some really good uh, pastitsio, which is a I don't know if you're familiar a Greek uh dish. It's kind of like mac and cheese, but with like ground beef and um. It's got uh, I don't even know what it's called, but it's kind of like whipped sort of this. this It's almost like mashed potatoes on top, but it's not potatoes. It's like whipped cheese, mm.
2: ricotta, ricotta cheese.
1: No, it's not ricotta. It's a it's a you have to cook it. You have to make it. Um, it's not a cheese. It's like a, I can't think of it right mm. now, but it, it's like it's like this cream and cheese sort of thing that sits on top. that has the consistency of mashed potatoes, but tastes like cheese. It's cream. It's and It's cheese. It's cream cheese. It's not cream cheese. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> does cream cheese give me? Does cream cheese have the consistency of mashed potatoes? Answer me that, sir. It could if you make it wrong. No, <laughs> I didn't even know uh, you could make cream cheese. I've never heard of anyone <laughs> doing it. But anyways, just thick it, cream cheese. So, so for food, that was the that was probably some of the highlights. Um, uh, I think my favorite thing I received, I received some really awesome things. But honestly, the my favorite thing was um, my uh, amazing girlfriend got me a new watch. And oh. it is a beauty. Uh, and it's especially funny because my other watch had broken um, a couple days uh, or a couple weeks before. Um, and I had been getting frustrated because I like wearing... Like my watch, I only have, I only had one up until that point, but I really like it, and uh, I would wear it everywhere because I just, I, I, just wear a watch. It's kind of the only thing that I do that, uh, you know, from a uh, accessory perspective, right? I'm not a super like snappy dresser, you know, but I, I do like wearing a watch, and so when it broke, she kept giving me a hard time about it for like, like almost a full month you know oh hey what time is it and, and it had stopped at 4:30, uh <laughs> and so uh every time uh you know i would i would because she know that i would instinctively go like this and then and then she'd start laughing when i would look at it and be like it's it's 4:30, uh <laughs> even when it wasn't um so that was just honestly re- just a really special uh gift and i i'm i'm just so in love with this watch i'm just wearing it all the time um i've seen but
2: pictures. Like, he looks good in it
1: well, and and I'm I'm like babying it. She's she's actually giving me a hard time for babying it. But I'm like before I eat, I'll like take it off so I don't get anything on the band. Yeah, sure, you know? sure, sure, uh, sure. <laughs> so uh, so that's probably my my favorite uh, gift that I received. And uh, I mean I received so many other awesome things. My sister also got me a really cool uh, Tatooine t-shirt, but it's like as if Tatooine was a national park. So it's like it's like this really artsy looking thing. It's it's pretty cool. It's like a National Park t-shirt, but with it has a slogan at the bottom, like a National Park would be, and it says uh twice the sun, twice the fun. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, that's, that's cool. That's a creative <laughs> one. Right? Yep. Uh so uh so anyways, and then uh favorite memory absolutely uh Is it's tough. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pick this one because um, I've it it was really not one memory, but like a collection of time spent, um, which was playing um, uh, the Lord of the Rings uh, cooperative collectible card game with my dad uh, over the entire time. I, I, drove up five hours, uh, back up to Virginia and stayed with my parents for almost a two full weeks. Mm. Um, and I even did a couple days working from home up there, uh, before coming back. Now, um, we, uh, I actually then for new year's spent new years in, in, um, Charleston, South Carolina, uh, with my girlfriend and we just had a spectacular spectacular time so many cool memories made there and really cool place if you haven't been especially if you're a history nerd like me but but what takes the cake honestly I think for me is spending that time with my dad because when we were playing this card game we played like five or six scenarios and and you kind of you you can build your decks and I we're huge Lord of the Rings fans anyways so obviously playing in that world is really fun um and uh you know being able to uh sort of Play, and they're very challenging sort of uh, scenarios that you really have to critically think about in your balancing. Gibby's actually played a couple rounds of it, I think. Yes, um, I have.
2: And I wasn't very good at it.
1: But that was also <laughs> new.
2: And it's a, it's a bit complicated. So it was, it's a little, it was learning. It's
1: a, yeah, it's a little bit complicated. But what's cool about it is that we, have, we basically played through the, almost an entire story arc where, like, you would buy this base expansion pack, and then you get extra expansion packs after that, like chapter packs. Um, and we had started this expansion pack and played a couple, and then we had bought the rest of the chapter packs and hadn't finished it. Um, and so we said we're going to try to get as close as we can. And so honestly, just playing through the story and really enjoying the story, it's kind of like you're 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 sailing around the coast of Gondor, fighting off like um, like uh, southern corsairs and everything That's like that cool. who are working. Who are like in league with Sauron, Um, and then at one point this pirate captain shows up and kills one of the elven guys you're working with, uh, and steals this key and goes running off to an island. You chase to island, you realize the island has a temple to, uh, I believe it's Morgoth, who is the evil guy that Sauron was a lackey of,
0: like in a past
1: age. So Sauron was this dude's lackey, and so this place. Yeah, and you really dive into, like, the, the deep sort of, um, you know, lore, but it's presented a really fun and, and exciting sort of, you know, package. And, of course, you play against, you know, fighting off Corsairs, and you have all every every um, scenario has its own unique sort of mechanics built in. It's it's an incredible game. And just us, I, I there was one night where we stayed up to, like, 2 a.m., like, playing through because we kept getting stuck on this one part of the scenario and having to start over. And by the time we finally got it, we were just, like, so wired from oh. all of, you know, from staying up till two AM that we were just like freaking out. And I think my mom texted my dad, like, Be quiet, you woke me up. It's <laughs> too much. So we we uh we we had a we had a really good time though and, and just all that time spent playing that game and, and spending that time with my dad and sort of puzzle solving and rebuilding our decks and tuning that was just so, so special. So um yeah. There we go.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's great. TBN, you want to talk about what we're talking about? You know what? I think I'll talk about what we're
1: talking about sure. if I'm given the option. Uh, <laughs> just, just make sure you talk about it. Okay, so, so first thing I want to talk about, uh, <laughs> the topic of our show uh, today, as you probably know from reading the description, we're talking about Slay the Spire. Oh. And the reason we chose this is we didn't have much to talk about LOR-wise. Um and we wanted to talk about something we were all sort of excited about and we're playing and with Gibby finally picking up uh, a Switch, although I, I suppose he could have gotten it on a, on his computer, but yeah. he, he went ahead and grabbed Slay the Spire, and so the the, the trifecta, uh, we all now have it, and have all yep. played it a lot, and we all are in love with this game, so we figured we'd go ahead and, uh, and break it down for you guys, give us uh, give you guys our thoughts on it, uh, any sort of uh, experiences, any critiques, and just kind of help you if you haven't played it yet, um, to give you an idea of if it would be a good fit for you, if you think that you want to uh splurge on it spoiler alert it, it's not super expensive um, but um, you know if you have played it before hopefully you'll still find our thoughts interesting so uh just to start off with mark do you, how about we we break down slay the spire um you know g- give me a little idea you know how, just to start how much does it cost how can you get it? What systems can you play it on? Because I feel like that that tends to be like the the disclaimer that will sometimes limit what people do.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you can kind of get it just about anywhere. I, I really don't know. You know, I you can get it on Xbox because I have it on Xbox Game Pass on PC, uh, Microsoft Game Pass. So you you can get it on PC. Uh, my buddy Doc plays it on uh, on on Mac, so you can get it on Mac. Um, you can play it on your phone, on your tablet, on your Switch, on your Xbox. Honestly, the only place that I'm a little unsure about is whether or not you're able to pick it up on your PlayStation. Uh, But it would be—I don't know—I would be very surprised if you couldn't pick it up. And it's very inexpensive; it's ten bucks, twenty bucks sometimes. I think it's ten bucks on your phone. But if you sign up for Xbox Game Pass or Microsoft Game Pass right now on your Microsoft, you know, your PC, um, you can pay the. What I did was I paid a dollar for the first month of Microsoft Game Pass, and then at the time that I got it, which I think is still available, I was given two months for free. So for 99 cents, I got Slay the Spire in that bundle, which is part (laughs) of the Game Pass, along with Stardew Valley and a bunch of others that I have been playing, uh, Ori and the Blind Forest, and a handful of others, all for, for, you know, a couple bucks. So, you know, a buck literally 99 cents. Yeah. So really inexpensive and right now probably where most people are going to pick it up. Uh, Slay the Spire is currently on sale uh 50 or 60% off right now on Steam. Uh so you can pick it up. I think it's 10 bucks on your phone, which I would say is worth it cuz it is a great phone game. Yeah. Um but it's it's yeah. only 9.99 right now on Steam marked down from 25. And I would say even Slay the Spire is very frequently on sale, right? Yeah, but it's on sale for another like 38 hours, like like you know, a couple of days. so you, if it's not on sale right now, like it will be it's It's pretty inexpensive.
1: Well, and it came out in 2019, so it, it's been out for long enough that yep. the people that wanted to get it at full price have gotten it and have already played through it. And so, really, they're they're willing to put it on sale a lot. I, I'm pretty sure I got it. Uh, I got it on my tablet and on my uh, on my phone. I share the account, um, so I, I'm able to. I think I got it for 10 bucks, and I think it was a little uh, on sale or something like that. Uh, give me how much you bought it most recently. How much did you pay?
2: I paid uh not that many much uh for it uh I it was like it was like eight dollars or so on Switch yeah okay it was around the holiday time to be, right. it was just after Christmas time so I don't know if it was on sale or not but it I don't think it really was if it if anything I can't imagine it being much more than ten dollars um and for that value it's a great game so that's why I was so enticed to like pull the trigger on it so quickly and not have to think about it is I had just heard so much overwhelming. Praise about the game, you know, and you guys have played it before. I've heard you all talk about it, and I, I couldn't be the only host that hadn't. So I, I pulled the trigger, <laughs> and it, yeah, it's it's immediately accessible to jump into. So I, you don't really have to like, waft back and forth if you think you might enjoy it at that kind of price point. So at eight nine dollars, if you if you're thinking about it, do
0: it. Yeah, and it's yeah. So oh, go, ahead, go ahead, tell uh, you're probably going to tell us what it's about, right, or how to play it.
1: Yeah, basically, uh, the the core concept of Slay the Spire is that you will play at first one, but eventually you'll get access to additional characters. Um, these uh, different classes, think like D&D classes almost, right? Um, and you're going to climb uh, up the Spire uh, and uh, climb up through different levels, three different levels uh, of this basically kind of like almost like Ruins, mechanized uh, ruins of sorts, uh, to fight the great evil that sits at the top. Um, and uh, each of these levels is going to have a you know big boss, but along the way you'll fight um, you know little small guys that will sort of wear you down over time. You can fight some elites that might occasionally knock you out, but usually will just be pretty tough and whittle you down before the boss. And you'll collect uh, rewards. You will build a deck over time, and I'm going to get to that in a second. The basic construct of the Big picture game is it's a roguelike. you're gonna go until you drop and when you drop, you start over, right? And along the way, you'll pick things up, you'll you'll get weakened, you'll get buffed, and you'll kind of uh, you know work back and forth uh, towards the idea of getting to the very top and taking out the boss at the top. And then, hey, you took out the boss at the top, you start again. but this time you've unlocked more things sometimes another character, more cards uh, that you can get access to. Um, and I'm not gonna spoil you know some of the later game content either. Um, so uh that that's basically the the ladder climbing, the roguelike system and and each of the different characters sort of plays very, very differently and each of the characters has a different uh card pool. So Gibby, would you kind of walk us through um, the how how the deck building system works because I think that if we look at, this game, there's basically three sort of intertwined aspects. You have the the overworld, the ladder climbing, the roguelike aspect that you people are familiar with from like Darkest Dungeon or things like that. You have the deck building component and then you have the actual card combat. But for the deck building part, can you walk us through a little bit of how that works?
2: Sure. So for deck building, they they tried to focus a couple key the key words or or key terms um that are important to each of the different classes. So of the four classes um, that we've got, uh, we've got the ironclad, we've got the silent. So the ironclad being kind of like this warrior kind of type, more combat, um, just kind of hit stuff. Uh, The silent, which is kind of more like a true rogue. You've got the defect who is uh, kind of this trickier um, kind of robot guy. Um, automaton and then you've got the the watcher who is this kind of she's blind and she's this kind of silent monk type that can kind of do do big bursts of damage and each of these different four classes have uh, different keywords to them and the card pools that you build around really are centered around some of those big major keywords so for example um, there's an a there's a mechanic in, in the watcher uh, the the Kind of the monk type, where it's it's scrying called scrying, where you would um, be able to look at the number, the top number of cards on your deck, and determine if you want to keep them. Um, so every turn you kind of get, um, you get a, a mana for all lack of back of a better turn term. They just kind of use a symbol, a symbolic or like a picture symbol, uh, which is different for each of the four classes. You get a set number of that each round, and you draw a certain number of cards each round um, that you get to evaluate and use, and if you any cards you don't use, go to your discard, your discard pile, but you're trying to build synergies in your deck that will allow you to either play off some of the keywords for each of the classes more efficiently, or will allow you uh, to uh, just utilize a certain, kind of balance your deck between blocking and defending and, and attacking the, the monsters, so you, you're not going too slow or they'll eventually get more powerful and burn you down. Uh, but also not just doing a bunch of attacks, so that way you take a bunch of damage and you might not live through a combat. Um, so yep. it's, you're, you're, you're constantly evaluating the cards in your deck as you defeat small bosses, as you defeat elites, um, as you're climbing each of these different tiers in the spire, or there's, a, uh, there's a, a merchant of sort, which you can also use gold that you pick up along the way and, and buy cards. You're trying to construct this deck, and they do have commons, they have rares, and they have uh, even, even kind of gold cards, essentially, so legendary cards, uh, that you can pick up in your deck. And you, there's, there's no limit or, or a minimum amount of each of the different types of cards you can have in your deck. You can even at certain points get rid of cards in your deck and thin it out so that way you're drawing your better cards more often. Because yep. once, once all of your cards go to your discard pile, you refill back into your draw pile. So you're trying to get a bunch of very valuable cards that all have synergy together and that kind of work together in your hand to then play them more often and just create this cohesive... Very potent combination of of cards that make up your deck, and most likely, almost all the time, the cards that you that will make up those these these potent combinations are ones that you pick up along the way. They won't be ones that you start with, or they are also ones that you can upgrade. There's an upgrade mechanic where every card in the game, no matter if it's a common, a rare, a legendary, whatever it might be, has an upgradable version, which is better in some way. It might be more blocking, might be more damage, might cost less, it might not leave your hand or leave the game when you play it, certain things like that. So there's definitely different ways to upgrade your cards or just get better cards and phase out some of your starting deck um, because every every class has a starting deck of ba- kind of basic blocks and, and, and attacks that you'll eventually want to um, make the minority in your deck where you aren't seeing those as often. So it's about kind of maybe even seeing what do you pull the first couple of bosses? What do you pull the first couple of, of either mini combats or elites and then saying, okay, I think this is the direction that I wanna take my deck. Now that I'm seeing this kind of card, this might be a good place for me to, this might be an avenue because there's different ways to build decks. There's no one right formula for each, each class. Sure. Bibian, did you have something on this?
0: Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's kind of akin for the LOR listeners to the um, uh, Saltwater Scourge and, of course, now the the Legacy of Champions or whatever the name of the thing is called. Mm. Path of Champions. Uh, Path of Champions, there we go. Um, In that, like, you can't perfectly plan what you're going to, you know, pick up over time, you know, because... You can't predict what cards are going to be offered, but then once you find a couple of common trends in there, you'll start working towards establishing those themes, like Gimby was saying. But Mark, I wanted to ask you because you know, as the person who I think you've probably played the most at this point of the three of us, probably. to give us a, a you know a breakdown. Now that we've sort of looked at the biggest picture, right, of the you know ascending the spire, taking things down, collecting resources, and then we kind of go into that middle area where you're managing your deck and the th- types of things you can do in combat. How does The combat system actually work.
0: Sure. And I want to make one clarifying point about uh, deck building as well. Uh, Not necessarily choosing cards. And Gibby said this, but I want to make sure that it's caught because it's a really important thing for most people who come from card games. Because if you come from LOR, even if you play in the Path of Champions, once you draw through your deck, you're going to draw one card every turn. And once you draw through your deck, it's over, Right. Um, in, in deck builders, that is not the case. In deck builders, you start with a very small deck, in this case 10 cards, 12 if you're playing the rogue, um, and in that, you're going to draw 5 cards every single round. Every round, you're going to draw 5 cards unless you have something that's going to make you draw more or less, and then you're going to discard everything that you don't use every round, and you're very often, you're not going to play everything from your hand. Those cards are going to go to discards. You have to choose carefully. And as soon as, and Gibby said this, but as soon as you are out of cards in your draw pile, your discard gets shuffled and you start drawing from the draw pile. That is a very unique thing about deck builders where you're constantly filling your hand and then discarding your hand and then refilling your draw pile. That's very different from card games that most people, like they'll get a little bit of confusion around exactly what's happening when they hear a description of it if you don't like, it because it's very different if you've come from, like, an MTG or an LOR or a Hearthstone or a Tesla background, where that is a unique thing to deck building games. It's a, it's a completely different genre of card games than some of these other games that, you know, people might have some sort of experience with. Then, let, okay, yeah, let's talk yeah. about... Um, the card combat. So the, the card combat is very interesting. You're always going to start with three energy on your particular characters, and there's way to gain more energy throughout the game. You're going to use this energy to play your cards. Cards usually cost anywhere from zero to three of your energy uh, at any given time, and so uh, pretty inexpensive. Like, all of the cards in your starting deck are all going to cost one once again unless you play some of the other classes. But when you first start Ironclad, you're going to get five attack or four attacks, Four defends, uh, I think, and and then one that uh, costs two and it's going to give you vulnerable. And that's just going to be what you're going to start with. And that's a keyword that makes people take 25% more damage. And so the card combat is is you're just picking which cards in your hand you want to play. And they're going to do a combination of things. They're going to debilitate your enemy, buff you, deal damage, or defend yourself. And so you know the ironclad in the very beginning, your cards are either going to say spend a mana, Gain 5 armor, which is going to block the damage coming in. It's going to say, spend a mana, deal 6 damage to an enemy, and you can target which enemy. Yes, in certain combats, you will have more than one enemy, and you want to read kind of the keywords and the special abilities that each of those enemies have, because each enemy is a little bit different, and they're going to get progressively harder the further you go, because Slay the Spire is played over 3 acts, so once you beat boss 1, you're going to full heal, reset with all of the cards that you've chosen for your deck and all of the relics that you've gathered throughout round 1, you're going to play it round two and then round three. Your goal is to be able to beat the boss at the end of round three. And those things, of course, are going to give you experience to unlock new relics and new cards available to you and new character classes available to you. And you really don't think you only have to get to the first boss with Ironclad to unlock the rogue and then the first boss with rogues to unlock. it's kind of like a mage like the robot is kind of the equivalent of the mage in this game and then you have to get to the first boss to unlock the monk which I think is was not out when the game first released that one's new it's been added since. yeah so card combat it's going to be very simple you're going to get An idea about what your opponent intends to do. And so you can prepare for that. So sometimes they're not gonna it shows you they're not gonna deal any damage to you next round. Okay, well, I can dump all the damage from my hand. Sometimes you're gonna see, oh, okay, they're they're going to attack me next round, and this is how much damage they're gonna hit for. I gotta find a way to weaken them this round and try to buff myself, but you have very, very limited resources, and so the more cards that you can get that let you freely dig into your deck draw cards replace cards whatever are always very 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 strong in deck building games basically in deck building games if a card says draw it most often is a very good card and and that's just the case for deck building games across the board and that would be the one sometimes well i don't need to draw right because i can't even play all the cards in my hand but oftentimes drawing is a very central to these Type of games, you know, um, they're oftentimes very powerful. So, does that give a good description of what card combat is like? I, I don't think I missed much because your opponent is never playing cards, they're just doing things. Mm-hmm. You're the only one playing cards in this. So, the NPC, right. the computer player you're fighting in, you just see what they're going to do and you're reacting to what they're going to do with the cards and the resources that you have available on that turn.
2: Yeah, and I think one thing I'd like to add about the combat piece of it, just to clarify, I mean, Mark, you definitely said it, but you can tell, you can see what your opponent intends to do. There is always an icon of sorts, unless it is a, a a confusion or a surprise sort of effect, which may you might run into on a larger boss, like a large either either a an elite or even just one of the big uh, tier bosses. You can always scan your cursor or your controller, whatever it is, over the the bad guy to, one, see what they intend to do if it's not just a clear, like, hey, there's a dagger symbol on the number 17 above it. They're going to attack me for 17 damage. If you're ever not sure what the symbol is, you can go over and see what it is before you take your turn. And there's no timer, which is yeah. a big yeah. piece of this. There is no timer, so you can sit, even as a new player, and go, okay, I've got these cards in my hand, let me do the math and think about, if I play this card, this card, this card, and this card, that'll give me this much block, I'll be able to eat all of the attack from that guy and I'll still be able to do some damage. Or I can math it out where if I do all this attack, I'll kill that guy before he can attack me next turn. So that's probably the best way for me to negate that. Like You can do some calculations and some strategy here, even as a new player, without having to worry about a rope or a timer like kind of breathing down your neck where you aren't used to this game yet and how are they expecting you to be able to make high level plays? There's a very accessible early learning curve to be able to get in and make right plays or or make smart adjustments as the game goes on. You may not have the patterns down or understand what certain minions or bosses look like until you've played several runs through in in the combats and you kind of understand what they're capable of doing but you'll be able to pick it up easier in the combat. The combat becomes more naturally in this game, I would say, than maybe some others. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah,
2: Uh,
1: and I I think that kind of actually segues really nicely into you know, the, another, the next step in this discussion, which is our, our experiences, right? Um, uh, because we've each played and an, interestingly we didn't play at the same time, Mark started playing and then I got hooked and then uh, Gibby got hooked. So, um, you know, we, we've all, we, and, and I don't feel like we've actually all convened to really break down our personal experiences it. outside of just saying, Hey, we like this game. Thanks for the tip. Right. So, um, let's talk about that right and for this this part of the discussion I, I want to focus on highlighting you know the unique aspects of the game you know that we enjoy uh, you know the maybe the themes the art the music the characters the you know the deck building aspects things that we like and not so much you know specific card or relic interactions because unless some someone's really you know uh, has played before um, they probably won't really know what we're talking about um, you know but like what makes it different from the other games, or especially card games that you've played in the past, you know, um, what is it that that really tickled your, you know, your your brain and and kind of kept your interest? So uh, let, let's start with you, Mark. What you know, tell tell us. I mean, what what's what was so fun about it for you?
0: You know, I think one of the things that because it's so right, it's a card game, so people just think like card game. Uh, I've played card games before. One of the things that drew me to this game was I have played a lot of deck builders on the tabletop. And if you've played deck builders, you know that the feel of a deck builder is unique and different than a card game. Because in a card game, you construct your deck, you go into it, you're trying to win. In a deck builder, a great deal of the game is constructing the deck as you play the game and you're looking for the best cards that you can, you do not have an established strategy. You're trying to stay alive and win the game while developing and building the cards and the abilities and the special aspects of your deck, which makes the game very different because your brain works in a very, very different way when you play this versus a normal card game. This is not going to feel like a normal card game, so it's very difficult to compare this to other card games other than other deck builders. It's a very, it's just a different way to use cards altogether. So I think one of the things that drew me to this game and and keeps drawing me to this game is it's accessibility, right? So Mm -hmm. often a card game, um, that you do play is it's not as quick as this. It's not quite as intuitive as this. And yet there's a tremendous amount of depth to the choices that you make. And sure, you can get a run that's not a lot of fun and you don't really get the cards that you wanted or you don't get access to the relics. And then you'll have another run that it's just like, man, it seems to be luck is in my corner today. And you just get like the right cards with the right class. Or And there's so much to explore in the game as well, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. You know, the ironclad, you can go uh, my preferred route, which is sort of like stack a lot of attacks and try to just blitz your opponent down with perfected strikes. Um, or you can go kind of a defensive route and stack your armor and then use your armor as a weapon, which is a fun one. Um, the you know the Rogue sort of has this shiv build that stacks a ton of free knives in your hands every round, but it also has this poison build that sort of builds over time and ticks your opponent down massive amounts of damage if you get the right cards. And I, I think that that element of the game is very fun because you play through and you get... You get a selection of cards after each minion or or mini fight that you do of three cards to add to your deck. And you can go a strategy, but you can see the other strategies that exist, right? And it's not always best to only go one route. And you're kind of learning as you go. Like, oh, I didn't take any defensive cards this game because I kept getting offered good offensive cards. Well, that worked until it didn't. And I, I got to the third level and I just, I couldn't deal out enough damage to not take a bunch back each round and i got knocked out you know and so i think that that's that's part of it and it's kind of like opening a present right there's a certain element in which you kind of feel like you're opening a pack of cards each run and you're shifting to see which cards you're gonna because you don't know what relics you're gonna get and that's a big part of the game relics are sort of like static special abilities and you can collect a bunch of them throughout a round um you don't know what cards you're gonna get, or what strategy you're gonna be presented with, or what path you know you might be able to take, or what villain or minion might be behind the boss symbol or the, the question mark, which you're not sure what's gonna be there. And so th- there's this element of surprise to each run that you're kind of like, what can I build this time? Um, can I build something that's like, can I get an infinite combo and sort of break it for a round? And then if you do. It's not broken forever because you're not going to get offered that combination of cards likely very often in the future. So if you can find a really sick, fun combo, like super cool, you run it, maybe you do well, maybe you don't, and then and then it's reset and you can try again. And I think that's probably one of the, the funnest parts of the game is like there's not a ton of pressure, you're not playing PvP, you're playing against a computer. The deck building mechanic is very fun. Honestly, just picking up the cards either with your finger or your computer mouse and swiping them out is actually super fun. Like, just the process of playing the game is very fun. I haven't paid a lot of attention to the sound. Uh, the artwork's fine. It's not like you're, you're not going to get into this. But this has the most amazing graphics ever. But it it has a very um, it has a very unique art style that is very nice. Sort of almost like a papery two D art style um, that maybe at first glance before you start playing the game but you're not sure about it. But once you get into it you really vibe with it like i think that you really vibe with the art direction of the game um and you're like oh yeah like i i like it doesn't bother you that it's not like a you know a triple a title graphically um it's just what it, it it reminds me very much in that way of hollow knight where hollow knight's graphically you look at it you're like this is not the most advanced game in the world but once you get in you're like no the aesthetic very much so matches the gameplay and i think with slay the spire you get that in spades. The aesthetic very much so matches the gameplay of this game.
1: Yeah, it is a stylistic choice. Mm-hmm. I think I, you know, it, so it's funny you mentioned Hollow Knight because I was actually just thinking how the tone of the game very much reminds me of Hollow Knight. One of, I mean, one of the coolest uh, games I've played in the last year. I mean, by far, so cool. And quite frankly, just so what's the best way to put it um unique and tonally consistent right um and i don't want to go too far into hollow knight because we're talking Slay the spire i think i don't know if i can put it at the, say the spire at the same level uh as hollow knight but i get what you're saying and that like you look at the art style and I, i'll be honest at first i wasn't too impressed now i'm somebody that can look past that for good mechanics but over the time i found it endearing right mm-hmm. um and so i think you're right like don't don't just you know set it aside uh, because of that art style and I think the music is actually pretty decent too it's subtle but I, I, I like it because it doesn't distract me from the cards Gibby as and uh, knows I've been I, I complain quite a bit about certain LOR boards because they're too noisy or certain guardians because they're too noisy and I need to think mm-hmm. uh, and it, this fortunately doesn't distract me like that but Gibby how about you what are uh, some of your best experiences favorite things about the game break it down for us because you have the freshest perspective because you know, you. this is most recent for you,
2: fresh in your memory. I liked how all four of the classes... I mean, this is a game, and I personally think that if if all four classes weren't playable or winnable to get through all three tiers, this game would feel pretty stale. Um, I also like how you don't see every card every single turn, and you would get into more cards as you level up. So there is almost one thing we haven't talked about is for each class, as you play it more and you get farther in each of the tiers um, of through, through the tier one, tier two, tier three, and even if you die along the way, you gain a certain amount of experience points. And I think you guys have mentioned it before, but getting access to more cards, um, getting access to more cards and getting access to uh, new powers, new relics, things like that allow you a different experience. this the replayability factor of Slay the Spire is fantastic. and the balance of each of the different classes is pretty good. I mean Ironclad is probably the most straightforward. I haven't had the most uh, luck with that class as a as a pilot, but I also haven't spent I kind of got into to playing silent and 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 the defect and the watcher more and I was like okay. I'm going to put Ironclad on the shelf for a little bit while I explore these other cooler classes that have a little bit more nuance to them. Um, but there's nothing to say that you can't get all the way through all three tiers with a good Ironclad deck. They all have strengths to them and intentionally so, but they all play completely different. So there's definitely replayability factor amongst all of them. I I liked how this was, we talked about art. I like how the game is 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 a little bit dark and dungeony and it doesn't stray away from that but some of the the minions and things that you face have this kind of like quirky fun charm to them and then there's other guys that are like really mean and big and and dumb and they want to kill you and they've making it very apparent. Uh, yeah, there's some derps in there. Yeah. Like oh, the yeah. the bird the bird that's like holding oh, two sticks. Like the bird cultist, yeah. yeah and, he, and he's like, My power will not be matched. And then when you defeat <laughs> him, he's like, My power was matched. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it has fun with the theme. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's 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 a lot of really cool things um in in the characters and in the charm of the game. But I I'm finding it fun to fail, which is hard. Mm-hmm. I am finding it fun to 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 fail, not get past something, try something new, pick bad cards, not because I didn't know that they were bad, or or because I didn't know they were bad. That's really it. As not because I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I guess I'll take this. Because you can you can choose to not take a take a one of three cards if it's offered to you, which is also another thing. But. Picking cards, trying them out, going, maybe this synergizes better with another card that I could have taken last time. I'll keep an eye out for that card in case I see it. But you might never not, might never see it, so you have to plan otherwise. Like, there's just, there's more than one way to play this game always. I, every single time I start a deck, I'm never like, okay, this looks exactly like the last time I played it. And I think the biggest impact for me in all of my runs and one of the coolest things, and I haven't really seen a lot of this in other deck builders, is the acquiring of relics, mm-hmm. which we haven't talked about really at all. Yeah, we we've, we've
1: touched on it. It's it's one of the kind of more advanced, not even advanced, it's a, it's a core aspect of the game. Um, you know, relics being these, basically similar to like passive powers in the Path of Champions, yeah. right? But you collect a lot more of them over the course of the game, but they're typically typically not as powerful as like the huge you know powers that you get in the LOR path of champions or in the Hearthstone um, you know quests you know story quests like they did for I think they did a one for what was it, it started off with the Cobalts um, and Catacombs they first did this mm-hmm. sort of adventure thing where you'd go up a, a ladder and try to take down the NPCs um, and, and relics you can get half dozen different ways. You start with one every time and you can, you know, after you've played a while, the guy that starts you on your quest will start offering you deals to trade out your relics or to buy an extra relic. Yep. You get them anytime you beat an elite, which is kind of like a and, and you know, you can it, sometimes I think you can even avoid fighting any elites, but you usually want to go to them because these passive powers are worth the risk, yep. right? Um and they heavily influence the way you do things. So there could be one that you know increases your starting mana uh, on every single turn but prohibits you from resting at campfires and healing up there's like they can do some really crazy cool things that actually do influence your deck building decisions um and there's so many of them that it really feels unique every time you play cuz you'll get them not just different ones but in a different order and that can really impact you know their usability if you get one that Uh, helps you save money uh, throughout the game, and if you get it at the last tier, you realize, wow, this was really not that helpful. But sometimes if you get one really early on that's like, play three skills and get four block, then all of a sudden, you know you can build your deck towards that throughout the rest of the run. So it really does add to that
2: level of variance, that replayability that Gibby was just talking about. Um, Yeah, for me, some relics have, have, have made or broken yeah a deck and more often made than broken um i would say just because they're typically pretty they're typically good things but there have been some surprise relics that like i picked up from a chest uh, mm-hmm. have, after defeating somebody, I'm like, this changes my entire deck that I was planning on doing. <laughs> sure. And now everything's gonna, different. Now everything, <laughs> all of my zero cost cards deal an additional four damage now. Give me every zero cost card I can possibly yeah. find yeah. right now. Yep. Like it's, it, it, it changes and warps your deck in a great way yeah. that you don't always see coming. Which is, which is exactly what you want. And there's a lot of relics in the game.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you have a choice between relics. I think at the end of every every time you take down a boss, you get a choice of three relics, and you get to choose which one you take. And they are relics. Yeah, yeah, they're they're high level relics that can really usually the ones that the rest of the game also have something
0: negative to them. Um, You know, can uh, yeah, they can. can. Typically, the ones that are going to increase the amount of energy you have is also going to inhibit you. You know, you're not either going to be able to pick up potions, which is another element of the game. It's like these clickable. You know, sometimes you will get potions that'll. They'll give you one-time, one-time use, time powers. use powers, yeah. And, uh, you know, you won't be able to get potions. Or when you get to rest sites, one of the things that is really in- cool about the game is when you come to a rest site, you can choose to rest and regain hit points, or you can choose to upgrade your cards. And you go to rest sites throughout the game and pick a card and make it better if you have been able to stay in a high enough life total that you can kind of afford to do that, which is... Oftentimes what you want to do, because upgrading your cards is much better than just spending, you know, your turn healing that round and, and, and trying to bounce back. I have found that to be a, a tremendous amount of fun of like, okay, I want to make sure I'm going to have. And then there's certain cards that also are certain relics that give you new options whenever you stop at rest mm-hmm. sites. To I had one that just was really awesome. It's was like three times throughout the game. You can increase your strength, which increases the damage of all of your cards. It's at a permanent hmm. plus three strength on my character. And that was one of my best runs that I had. That was really fun, but you had to not heal and not upgrade three times at three different rest spots, yeah. which is not easy to sacrifice. So there's a lot of, like, very interesting decision points in this game where sometimes, you know, ah, oh, man, I, I, I really want to be able to do this But I I need to heal in order to hopefully, you know, survive what's coming next. And uh, I think that's a really... There's a a real risk-reward, you know. Can I go into the last boss fight at half health, but with a better upgraded card? So when I go to the next level, I have better cards? Or do I run the risk of dying against this boss, and if I die... You know, it's over. I have to restart. Or there's question mark rooms. It's like, you can either take damage or, you know, lose health permanently. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. do I lose, you know, I'm already at half health. Do I lose some max health? Or or do I take more damage now and run the risk of losing next round? But it's for a, you know, shorter term thing. So I think that's a really interesting. They give you so many interesting decision points, uh, throughout Mm -hmm. the game that you like, oh, there's a lot of risk reward with it, you know? And, And
1: as you play, right? And as you kind of go through, you'll start recognizing some of the things that you've run into before. And I thought that that would annoy me and it actually ends up feeling really rewarding like you're learning the ins and outs of these hallways and these you know twisting you know confusing passageways mm-hmm. because when that quick time event comes up where you have to choose between you know digging for a relic or you know you know getting out of this collapsing room you know what the repercussion is because you've lived it before it's like you had those as a kid you had those choose your own adventure books mm-hmm. and when you went one way and you realized it didn't turn out great you then flipped back to the page you were on before and took the other passage, right? Mm-hmm. And over the course of your time playing uh, Slave the Spire, you'll start learning what those give and takes are. So, you know, when this dude shows up and offers you jacks and offers to get you jacked, uh, you'll know what that means. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Anyways, I think that that is absolutely one of the most unique aspects of the game is that sort of branching decisions. And and for, if it wasn't clear, when you have that overworld where you're moving up through this city and through these different layers uh, in the three different acts, it has this tree of branching you know, options. So you can choose to go up a tree that features more enemies because after every enemy, you get an option to add a card to your deck. So if you're low on cards or you were looking for something, you go, go that way. If you're looking to uh, have more opportunities to get you know money or to get weird effects or cool relics you might take more question marks if you need to hit a shop there's not you know too many shops so if you're like man i've got i've saved up a ton of gold over the first two yeah. acts i'm in act 3 i got a lot of money let's spend it you can go and choose an avenue that will get you to one maybe even two shops along the way so that really influences you have a lot of you know agency and autonomy i think that's probably you know my favorite aspect of of the game is that overworld sort of management um sort of macro of the game. But yep. I want to go through and ask each of you what your favorite character is of the four characters. Yep. I want to hear what made it enjoyable. And then I want you to tell me which character gave you the hardest time or is giving you the hardest time. So uh Gibby, go ahead and and, and uh freshest in mind, you know, have you have have you beaten each of them yet? I know you just got it.
2: Like like beaten a run with each of the classes? Mm -hmm. no not even close I've got I've I've beaten it with one class and I've come very close with two of the others but I there's one particular boss you can run into at the end of the third tier that has has halted my my wins is it the wolf like by the skin? no it's the the time eater oh okay oh the time guy is so tough the time eater is so nuanced and hard if you don't play it right and the first time you go in there's no way you're gonna yeah he gets you the
1: first time so and
2: i had this absolutely filthy defect deck and i i i missed him by like four health i was so mad um because I I bursted him on a bunch and then he heals back up to fifty percent the turn afterwards regardless and I didn't know that and there's no way I would have so I wasted yeah. all of this burst damage on cards that I would have kept in my hand but anyway um, my favorite class to play the one that I did get the one that I did get a win on was the silent but I think my favorite class to play is the watcher the watcher mm-hmm. being the um, the kind of monk style she can't see anything and she switches between stances it's the last one that you unlock and it was the one that was released in like the beginning of 2020 um the watcher has several different kind of keywords to her like scrying and being able to see what's in your hand coming up so you can plan turns ahead that's a really strong build but she's got two stances at her core this is her mechanic is she's got Her calm stance, which really doesn't do anything in particular, but she's got this kind of blue glowing energy around her. And anytime you come, you can switch between stances using cards in your deck, and you pick up more cards that help you switch stances and and do damage while you're doing that or block while you're doing that. And every time you come out of calm stance, you gain two energy, so you can extend your turns beyond... What you planned to if you ended your turn in calm or if you go in calm and out of calm in the same turn and the other stance probably the more important one truthfully is wrath wrath is she gets this glowing red energy and all of her damage is doubled Hmm. but all of the damage she takes is doubled it's like being um, it's like what rage in and as for a barbarian in D&D.
1: Yeah, if rage also applied to you, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> right, sure. So, so like, all, so,
2: um, or swinging recklessly, I think that's more or less. One. Yeah, yeah, reckless yeah. attacks. Reckless yeah, attacks. you get advantage, and so do the the enemies. Yeah, yes. So you do double damage, so you can burst somebody down before they can ever attack you, which is the whole goal. But if you either miscalculate your mana or calculate miscalculate your energy. Uh, and don't get yourself out of wrath mode and they're going to double swing they're going to swing for you for double damage you might die and I've died several times by miscalculating my energy and going oh goodness I thought I had enough to get out and I didn't um and he hit me for somebody hit me for a bunch of damage but the switching of the stances is so cool mm-hmm. and is intricate and you have to plan and it made me have this nostalgic kind of ordering of my turns that I haven't gotten a feel of since legends of the five rings where I had to really plan out my turns and calculate versus my opponent and be so careful with every turn to not bury my own, to not dig my own grave. Yeah. Uh, Which, which, which was, uh, I really enjoy the watcher. I think the ceiling on watcher decks is really high. Mm hmm. Um and you you can draw into some bad hands. You can draw into a bad deck, like you can in any class, and that's okay. Um, but the watcher to me is just probably the most fun I've got I had in any in any of the classes, trying trying to play it and decided they had really cool moments of just like i've I've come into an elite con, an elite uh, fight and completely burst somebody down by immediately going into wrath and playing a bunch of free cards that, <laughs> by refilling my hand and drawing them down before they even did a thing. And it was yep. I was like that is possible in every class maybe but it was really cool. Um, I think the one that gives me the most trouble is Ironclad, mm-hmm. and I don't maybe I haven't spent enough time into it, but my runs have have ended the shortest in Ironclad more than anywhere else, and that's just the basic attack and defend guy. Mark went into a couple of the different kind of strategies with him, but I have not had any near of a power level building a deck with Ironclad than I have with some of the other classes. So I will, I'll kind of end my uh, my evaluation at that. Mark, what is your favorite class or what have you been struggling with in your long-standing stint with the game? Well,
0: you know, the Watcher's interesting. One of the things I love about Watcher is each character starts with a starting relic. And after a couple of runs, you get the option to trade out your starting relic for a random boss relic, um, which can be very powerful, but also negative. Um, and many of the starting relics are pretty important to your character, but the Watcher is very interesting because its starting relic is probably the weakest of the four, and it's the one I'm most okay with negotiating away. Like, I can give it away and, and, and get a random boss one. Um, so my favorite is Ironclad. Um, pretty much above and beyond. I, I do really like uh, I really like the silent, but I really do love Ironclad. Um, It's the only one – so after you run through the game with the three main characters, the Ironclad, the Silent and the Defect, and beat it, you unlock Ascension Mode, which basically allows you to play harder lines throughout the game that unlock – and you have to collect pieces of the relic uh, that unlock a future thing. I'm not going to spoil it, but it unlocks something else at the end of your run – and then you can try to defeat that, which is a tremendous... It's really fun. And the only one that I've beaten an Ascension run on is Ironclad so far. And I actually beat it on New Year's Eve a couple of hours before 2022. So I have beaten <laughs> Ascension run in 2021. Um, and I played a ton of this, <laughs> so I've beaten with all four characters. I've done a full three-part run on all four characters on PC and on my phone. And I've done it on my phone twice because I deleted it and then redownloaded it and... Uh, it erased everything, so I had to go through it all again. Um, and uh, and I've really, I just like the Ironclad. It's what I play almost every time that I play. Really enjoy it. Um, I I think that I like the sustainability of the Ironclad. Um, just like his his starting relic gives you six health at the end of every combat. It gives me the freedom to to really. And there's some really cool special abilities because I really like the building up of your strength. And every strength point that you have increases the damage of all of your attacks by one. And I really like some of the abilities in the Ironclad to collect a bunch of strength throughout the course of the game. It really ramps up and suddenly your basic attacks that were hitting for six are now hitting for fifteen or twenty damage on your turns. And there are there's a couple of cards in Ironclad that allows you to take damage. One of the builds is sort of like a rage build where you deal damage to yourself in order to draw extra cards, gain extra energy, and deal extra damage. I really like that build too, as there's a couple of cards specifically in it. One allows you to take damage to draw five cards and gain two energy. Um, And I've had rounds where I collected that, played it, played it into another one, and I lost a couple of health points throughout the game, but I beat them in one round because I just drew through my entire deck in one turn um, and played all my cards. Super fun. The one I've had the most problem with is the defect. Um, I do not like the defect. I don't know what it is. Uh, The two times that I have completed a run on the defect were times when I completely ignored the mechanics uh, and just played all of the draw cards and high damage cards and basically lucked through with the right relics. There's a couple of relics that increase your damage and your shielding capabilities uh, every time you play three attacks in a turn. And if you can kind of combo a couple of those together, you can just build attacks and it will just, it just makes you really hard to beat. Um, and so the the defect was the one that was the hardest for me, although my second playthrough the Watcher was the hardest, um, although I really like the Watcher, and I totally agree with you. There's a really fun build for the Watcher, too, because there's a third stance for the Watcher that allows uh your next attack to deal your next round. All your damage is doubled, um, and you can combo it with a Relic that Devotion. doubles your damage. Um, on specific attacks, and you can do, like, quadruple damage with attacks, which is super fun. Like, I've done, I've done them before where I hit, like, for 160, 170 points of damage in a single swing, and, like, one shot at half of bosses or entire bosses, and super fun to play. But Ironclad's my favorite, most difficult for me so far, has been figuring out the defect. Ugh. And I have a feeling the Defects gonna end up being like Ian's favorite or something because you know yeah, it. Yeah, I know I, it's I, it going be to be so. I bet you he really likes the Silent dude. Silent is really fun. But I, I want to know Ian from you. What's your favorite and least favorite or hardest easiest?
1: Yeah. So um, I just for uh, context, I have beaten each one on the basic, not the Ascension, but uh, the third tier on each one, um, and I. Th- think i'm like halfway up a uh defect run right now um and uh but i like i guess i haven't gotten to do an ascension run yet but i'm hoping to do one um now that i've beaten each one yeah um and uh but I, I i ended up putting it away shortly before uh, Christmas, because I just had a lot of stuff going on. We're, I'll, we're out of context, uh, work has been nuts. Uh, so I haven't really gotten time to play any games. Uh, just a little bit of Pokemon Unite here and there with Gibby, and that's pretty much it. Uh, but, uh, but so um, I've beaten each one once. The Silent, I feel like I don't know much about because I beat it on the very first try mm. yep. and haven't gone back to it uh i think i got a combination of good relics and it's very like draw a lot of cards play a lot of cards discount things and it just kind of it made sense to me i i quickly understood what it wanted to do and just did it and um and so i just kind of cruised with it um so i don't really know how the silent plays in some of the other builds or anything like that i think i just ended up you know, utilizing the lots of card draw, generate shivs, deal damage, yep. put up just enough block to get by. Um, so so that that's what worked for me there. Uh, my favorite, I guess which is predictable, uh, <laughs> is the defect. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you why. It's a couple different things. I think the Watcher is also really, really cool. The Watcher actually gave me the hardest time. Um, and I, 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 I got the balancing of the wrath and, um, um, calm. I, you know, obviously that's something that, you know, less experienced, you know, CCG players might kind of run out of their, you know, not track their energy as they play. But if you're somebody that's played enough, you know, even LOR, like you're tracking how much things cost, um, as your turn progresses. So, you know, um, you know, even like Gibby said, like every once in a while you'll lose track. And it can be really damning if you do. Um, but, you know, by and large, I, I I got that. My problem with it would be it's, it would be so heavily draw dependent where if you drew a bad hand, you either had the choice of I play Wrath and can't get out of it or I don't play Wrath and have a dead turn, right, um, because I can't get out of it. Yep. So like uh, that was one of my frustrations with the Watcher. It's cool, but I, I had such a hard time because I would often lose to dead hands where you, you look at it and you're like, I can't play this because I'll get killed. But then I'm also slow. The game is moving slower and I'm not accomplishing anything. So, that, so the Watcher gave me a hard time. Uh, but the defect, ooh, the defect. So I had several runs go really late and I think I got it. I think I completed it on my third or fourth run with the defect, um, but but every run I did pretty good on, um, and I feel like the reason why the defect is cool is, and, and for those who understand the defect, is a little robot guy that basically has like techno magic, mm-hmm. right? um and so he's summoning these orbs that have different elemental effects um and he has this really unique thing where he can have orb slots that hover over his head and do sustained effects at the end of each of his turn so the end of his turn if he has a lightning orb it'll do some damage if he has a frost orb it'll give him some shield uh and i think the dark orb actually stores up power over time and then when you get rid of it it does a ton of damage all at once yep. so um it really uh, gives you a lot of things to think about and a lot of options at one time. And and it can be a little overwhelming in the first couple stages as you're like, wait, what do I build into? But once you kind of pick something and commit to it, there's some really, it, it, to me, it felt like there was the most ways to play from jump. Like you could do what Mark probably did, which is just pick up some you know, good value stuff, right? Deal some damage, draws a card, invokes an orb, deal some damage, right? Um, But then you can also do some really cool things where you're trying to like cycle the orbs as fast as possible, which is the one I ended up winning on, which is like I literally picked anything I could to evoke lightning. And anytime lightning sits at the end of your turn, it'll do a little damage. But if you rotate it through and you replace the oldest one with the newest one, it'll do a big burst of damage. Uh, and so I was trying to like get as many of these lightning things as I could, cycle them through, draw more, discount. Um, and and he's got some really neat stuff uh, where you can, it's it's like almost like a robot like recharging his battery, where you've got some really cool cards that can that can just refill mana and do these different things that will refill your mana, so you can keep going on a turn and get more of your cards through. Um, although a lot of those things end up getting uh, discarded permanently from your deck until the next combat so you have this this, there's this keyword that uh, it's called exhaust where once you play it in combat it won't go into your discard pile to get removed from game until the next combat and it'll be back there again so if you have a lot of exhaust cards that have really high impact things and then you thin your deck to be cycling all of these uh, you know lightnings and stuff it's really cool Um, so I I just felt like there was just so many different ways to play it um, and and really uh, part of it, my affection for the defect, is that the character design is really strong. He looks cute. You want to be his friend. He's this little robot guy that's kind of beat up. Uh, he's got a little torn cloak. And you're like, you know what? I don't know what this guy's story is, but I want to know.
0: And on, on and the one, the one build that I did really enjoy on that, and I did pretty well with, was the darkness orb build. Um, it's just mm-hmm. constantly like cycling darkness orbs that basically they do nothing. Except build up over time, and then once you cycle them, they do huge amounts of damage. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and I had a couple of builds that would just like fill me with those, and then play mm. one card exhausted, but it would completely like put in four or three new orbs at once, and it would just mm. cycle all of my darkness orbs at once and yeah. burst for huge the amounts rainbow of card. Damage.
1: This this yeah this this huge this huge yeah yeah the um, rainbow card yeah it was really burst all at once yeah. yeah.
2: My best my best run with Defect was I got, I think it was either a power card. So power cards are ones that you play one time. Actually, you can play them multiple times. They still go into your discard pile like everything else, unless they say Exhaust. But power cards are cards that have a sustained effect over the course mm-hmm. of, after you play the card, over the course of, the, of whatever combat you're in. And I got a power, it was either a power card or a Relic, but it said every time, I think it was a power card, every time you take damage channel one lightning. So yeah, that's a relic. Or not I, a relic. <laughs> so so like yeah. I would play this and then every time I would take a little chip damage, it would just cycle a lightning in and it would like just like lightning was just constantly going off. So like I never really had to worry about doing that much damage. I could just kind of turtle and and just keep my defense up and he'd always keep channeling lightnings because I would just take damage or like take small amounts of damage.
0: Yeah. And yeah. we were, one,
2: it was good to go.
1: One of my favorite cards with that is is called Charge Battery. And I would, like, anytime I'd see it, I'd always grab it. Because it gives you block for the turn. And then the next turn, you get more energy, which mm-hmm. is just the coolest. Because you can say, okay, you, you look at it and you're like, oh, man, like, they're going to do a bunch of damage. Like, you always need to be balancing that dealing damage and blocking and have enough of each and this sort of checks both of those boxes because not only will it block for you for now but next turn it will allow you to do more damage and play more of your cards out and keep that cycle going like mark talked about you know with any deck building game you want to be cycling through and being able to play as many of your cards on your turn before you discard the rest as possible yep. um and and that's going to spell the most success for you uh, down the line so that was my favorite um i love the defects uh and uh, i'm hoping to take him on the ascension run uh, on this next one um so last thing i want to just briefly touch on and i'll keep it short because i think by and large we love the game but if there is a, a single point of critique that you would have uh mark what would it be
0: You know, I think the only thing that I would say is sometimes you do just get a bad run. Um, And when you... So sort of like if you make a run and you lose and you make another run and you lose, um, a a bit of like a catch-up mechanic is when you first come into the game, there's this giant whale that will give you options of new things that you can choose. And at first, it just gives you bonus, you know, static, like extra health, uh, extra health in your pool. And then the second one option is like to to give all of your enemies one health for your first couple of combats, kind of let you streamline through. Uh, but those those opportunities get better, right? But if you surrender a run, it resets, and the opportunities go back to just the starting two. And sometimes you get in and you just get really unlucky. You're like, ah, I'm not really vibing with this, and you, you want to reset and start again, and you get really punished for resetting and starting again um, because your options when you first start are just worse. Because you mm. surrendered a run and you're almost better off just like going in and passing a whole bunch of times until any enemy kills you and then as long as you died, doesn't matter whether or not you try it's just a waste of time to reset sure. the run instead of just being able to abandon mm. it. That's my only critique. I think that's kind of silly. I understand that people would just reset, reset, reset until they get what they wanted, but uh, you know, if you want to cheat the game that way to not have fun, so be it. Don't make it worse for the what rest about you, of us if reset.
1: Anything that people should uh, you know, keep an eye out for or be prepared for?
2: Um, I don't know. I don't know if I've had a long enough stint in the game in order to have a critique just yet. I think I would like to see more classes added. I mean, the last one now, knowing that the Watcher was added the, as the last class in January of 2020, like that's almost been two years now. Mm-hmm. Like, that, to me, either says make make a sequel of the game or add another class. And that might be in the works. I don't know. But that, to me, that would bring a lot of energy to the game because there's a lot of different, like... There's a lot of different things that they could do, mm-hmm. right? So, so, I would so will...
1: really, your critique is give me more content. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give me I more like things. it so much. I want more. That's yes, your critique. That's, that's really that's really all I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my only criticism, and I'm being honest, it really is my only criticism because I think this is a almost flawless game for what it is. Mm-hmm. If you want it to be, you know, um, something bigger. Right, you you might be disappointed but if you go in with the expectation of this is a kind of uh you know highly repeatable you know deck building card game with some fun you know little characters running around doing cool things um, you'll be satisfied I guarantee it um, my only critique is actually more the function uh when playing on touch screens I have had frustration um, when selecting cards from my hand on my tablet I don't know I haven't downloaded on my phone but mark you've nodded along it seems like you've had a little bit of frustration there too um when you have a mouse you know you can kind of click and drag and it's a lot easier i've seen you play it on on your stream um but when you have your touch screen it is not quite as polished as say like hearthstone or lor when it comes to you know correctly identifying which card you're trying to target and in this game, if you accidentally throw out the wrong card at the wrong time, it can be really devastating. Um, So just be very careful. You might need to get used to clicking off the screen in the bottom left or bottom right hand corner uh, so you don't accidentally play a card from your hand that you don't want to play. it, that that is a very frustrating thing for me. and has literally nothing to do with the mechanics of the game. It has everything to do with the interface. Uh, can be frustrating at times. That's my only feedback.
0: Yeah, I have accidentally played the wrong card many times on my phone. Yeah, and, and I have a twelve um, it, iPhone twelve Pro Max or whatever. Like I have the biggest iPhone screen I can get. Yeah, and I don't have giant gorilla fingers. And even at that, sometimes I've actually played accidentally played defense. It's like, I have to be really intentional. Like, I can't play it with my thumbs. I have to play it with a pointer finger on my phone. Yes, Otherwise, you, you I will do, yeah. misdrag something. And once, the, if an attack gets dragged out there, it doesn't automatically go if there's more than one opponent. But if you accidentally drag a defense card out there, it automatically goes. Like, you don't have to confirm mm, anything. Yeah. So, that I've had that happen a couple of times for sure.
1: Yeah and, and it it can be it can be frustrating there and, and what surprised me is that it was despite having plenty of space on the tablet and I know I'm clicking on the card I'm clicking on it will sometimes think I'm clicking on the card next to it um so so on even on a tablet it can it can be a little bit of a problem at times um especially when you know it's it's not that bad when you when you're at starting and you're drawing five cards and you have five options but when you have you know it's a maximum card hand size of ten. If you've got nine cards in your hand, you know the, the cards start shrinking, and you start being like, "No, I don't want
0: that one. I want the th- one, three, ones down."
1: Yep. So uh, you know, uh, just just be on the lookout for that. I I think that the. I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. The performance on PC is pretty much flawless,
0: right? Oh, yeah, uh, it's not a demanding game. Uh, mm-hmm. You could probably get your school Chromebook if you can find a way to get this on it and play it. Right? <laughs> like, it's not going to be hard to use. Yeah.
1: And Gabby on on Switch, it seems to be pretty uh, pretty easy to
2: select cards quickly. It is uh, unless you've gotten a new Switch recently and you're just not as familiar with the buttons and you hit <laughs> the wrong buttons all the time anyway because you're new to Switch and Switch basically rotated the buttons ninety degrees from the PlayStation that you've been playing That's for true. four years. And That's the, so, the Xbox, oh, yes. I can't swap. When I yeah. used to try to go from Skyrim from Man. Xbox
0: One to Skyrim on the Switch, it was like oh, no. it was the most frustrating experience ever. <laughs>
2: It's like trying to, it's like for me trying to play Pokemon Unite on my phone to then going to the big tablet to then going to the small controller where the Joy Cons plug into. It is all over the place. So I just like, okay, I need to pick like two, one or two methods of each game, and that's all I'm going to do. So, because I've clicked, I've ended turns. I'm convinced that there was a boss battle, I'm pretty sure uh, that I ended a turn wrong (laughs) with where I could have played like five extra block and that would have made the difference. Mm Yeah. in a run and i'm just like oh i have no one to blame but myself
1: well uh well i think that that is going to wrap up our discussion on slay the spire hopefully you guys will check it out and uh and enjoy and if you have uh already played it or or uh you you pick it up and you enjoy it we'd love to hear from you and and chat about the experiences you can do that in our discord page um let's go ahead and wrap up and get out of here mark do we have any closing thoughts for tonight
0: well, uh, you know, I, I do have a little bit of a closing thought because uh, we're we're coming into the new year. and with the new year, there's all sorts of new year's resolutions. and i yeah, I even saw DBN today posting Discord looking for some accountability and and stuff for a workout. Uh, a workout group i just came from a meeting with a group of guys one of the dudes is doing something called 100 days of war um and in his in his discord community it's like everyone he's like his his motto is you can do anything for 100 days uh and so like whatever their resolutions are like they're holding true to doing them for the next 100 days and um and so anyway i was just i was honestly just kind of thinking about that because i was forming some resolutions and i came up with some thoughts about what because sometimes our resolutions are just very shallow right um not always but sometimes they can be a little bit shallow because we haven't necessarily been thoughtful about them they're just something that we were dissatisfied from the from the past year so i was coming up with sort of a pattern of like how do you actually create good goals for a new year you know you have a fresh start what does that look like and i think we i i sort of came up with like the first step is you got to reflect on The last year, like you have to spend an adequate amount of time actually reflecting on what happened this past year. What went well? What was outside of my control that I'm blaming myself for um, that? I feel like I need to fix, but I, I just don't need to fix. What is the things that didn't go well that I really wish would have and if I had put effort in would have gone well? What are things that I'm blaming on somebody else that I've been blaming on somebody else this last year, but was actually my fault? Um, and I need to take ownership for it because I think that really helps you with crafting goals and improving yourself for the next year. Cause if you're deceiving yourself about the year past, it's really hard to make goals for the the following year. And then I think that the next step is really like put the big things in first. And if nothing else fits, nothing else fits, right? Like don't beat yourself up. If everybody, you know, like DBN has a workout goal. I don't have one this year. Um, mainly because like, I just looked at the big things that I was putting in and I was like, Honestly, in my day-to-day, working out isn't going to fit in this year. Like, it's just not. Like, I, I have a goal to feel healthier by eating a little bit better this year. That's something I can do. But working out isn't in the cards in my stage of life, and I'm not going to beat myself up over it because I want to put in the big things first. And for me, at my particular stage of life, being married with kids and leading a church, like, the big things right now are more substantial than they were the last five years of my life. And so, I have to be careful, so do do some honest reflection, big things first, don't beat yourself up if not everything fits next year. um that's okay sometimes, so I, I think that's my closing thought just on on forming opinions and thoughts and goals for twenty twenty two yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a
1: lot of of things to be said for, especially you know just in my individual case, you know, um I think that there is a lot of benefit to reflecting not just on what you want to improve and if you have the time and the ability to improve it um, but also why it wasn't working last year because i see so many people that they say the same thing every single year And you have to come up with a plan on how you want to resolve it that accounts for why it didn't happen last year. Uh, That's just my little bit of of advice. And and if I can get even more away from the philosophical aspect and into the practical aspect, general big picture advice. And if you're not this person, that's fine. Um, If you don't like going on runs, if you go on a run and you realize, oh, my gosh, this is miserable. Don't plan for that to be your fitness goal. You won't do it, you'll drop it as soon as you can because it's not fun. If you're, I t- used to when I coach, I used to tell kids this all the time over summer break. They would say, Coach, we want to stay in shape for, for next fall, uh, uh, we're gonna go on a run every day. I'm like, It's the middle of summer, you absolutely will not do that. So, don't plan <laughs> to do something that you're not gonna enjoy and you're not gonna do. Uh, so and I think that that you know, obviously, that's my workout advice, but it's also my advice for, um, you know, any of your goals, you have to think about how you are logistically going to achieve that because you, you want to set yourself up for
2: success and, you, you know, if you want to succeed, you need a plan. So my addition to this is going to be in the form of a quote that I heard recently and that really stuck with me from none other than rich electricity man himself, Elon Musk. Uh, <laughs> if you plan to clean, if you set a goal, to clean your house in 30 days, you will do it in 30 days. If you set the goal to clean your house in three hours, you will do it in three hours. Don't be afraid to fail with these goals. Don't be afraid to set a high bar to push yourself to do something that might be extraordinary. If you fail and have to revise your goal later because you didn't meet a lofty goal that you were pushing yourself to do, that is okay that is totally okay, you are allowed to fail and revise and accomplish a different goal or a subset of a goal, and that is still progress from where you started. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to set a high goal. Failure is an option. Failure is okay. And don't be afraid to reach out to other people in joining you in your goal or like, like DBN did, having people do a goal alongside of you of their own. So goals are meant to be like life is not meant to be enjoyed by your by yourself all the time. That's true. Yeah, Well, thank you guys
1: very much for tuning in and listening. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our Slay the Spire uh, extravaganza. I believe next week we'll be back with a little bit more LOR content for you. Uh, I just real fast want to remind everybody, if you're listening for the first time or if you've been listening for a while and have not yet, please consider joining the Discord. It's an amazing community. I mean, it's it's free and I promise you, you can lurk and we won't pester you. Uh, But uh, it is a great place to get in contact with people with like-minded um, you know, hobbies and, and interests and stuff and be able to chat about everything from LOR uh, to cooking to uh, fitness, if you want to join me uh, in that and uh, and just really meet a, a great, awesome group of individuals. Uh, lastly, I do want to thank our Patreon supporters for supporting the show. As always, you guys are incredible and especially in the new year, kind of reflecting on the past year. Um, it's just been very inspiring um, and, and just sort of We are struck and at how grateful, uh, you know, and thankful we are to have people that allow us to do what we do um, and keep putting out this content um, and be able to provide uh, cool things for the community in the form of you know our giveaways and and and, you know tournaments and stuff like that. So thank you guys so much. Um, We're gonna get out of here. Gibby, was that uh, finger guns meaning you wanted to say something or? Well, that was finger guns. If we're getting out of here, <laughs> got it. We're getting out of here. Uh, thank nice. you guys so much. We will talk to you again next week.
0: Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com/slash Legendscast.